Okay, so HB 900 is the uh, book ban bill, right? That's what they call it. But it basically was the book um, outlining what books could or could not be in public school libraries. Um, Some of the books that were presented, especially some of those books were found in my district and certain schools that, that encompass, you know, House District 35 were sexually explicit material. So what the book does is basically put a standard where the vendors have to sort through the books and anything that would be deemed sexually inappropriate would have to be removed from the shelves, right? Now, we're not saying that these books can't be sold or can't be, you know, accessed through a public library outside of the school, but we're saying is some of those books are not going to be in school libraries. And some of the stuff was pretty graphic, graphic novels, uh, rape, incest, you know, stuff of that nature. And, uh, I mean, it was one of those where, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think some of those books should be in our school libraries. Um, you know, so, so that was one. Um, there was the other bill that they brought up, the uh, HB uh, 2090, which raises a threshold for SBOE to reject the charter school vote. Um, it basically, what that boiled down to was, uh, so what happens is whenever a charter school kind of goes through the process, they get properly vetted, have to go through TA, and it basically, you know, raises a threshold for them rejecting them at the SBOE level. Right. Because they've kind of already kind of done all their protocol. And I think folks need to realize, like, they're charter schools, but they're public charter schools. Right. I mean, you can't, you know, I get it where their folks think, oh, a charter school is bad. But in all actuality, a charter school is just a modified version of a public school because it's a public charter school. So that that's regarding that. As for a 1605 uh, instructional materials bill, they keep it as they say it's a vendor bill. And what it is, is my understanding. And I got to go back. I think it's a standardized curriculum. I think it's basically putting it. Was it 1605, the one with the uh, with the curriculum? Yeah, it's basically allowing school districts to opt into like the standardized curriculum. Yeah. So, which would make it easier because we've noticed that what ends up happening is when teachers get hired, the biggest issue that they, especially new teachers, encounter is that they don't have you know, curriculum to work from. And teachers, you know, have brought up the fact that some of them have to go through Pinterest and basically piecemeal curriculum to teach you know their students so what this does is it allows good competent you know uh workbooks for those teachers to be able to work at now it's not mandatory it's optional but it does afford the school the option of doing that and they can kind of standardize their curriculum amongst the schools um because we felt that teachers some of them have issued expressed interest that they're spending so much time on um on developing their lesson plans and you know that that's kind of what we thought it would be a benefit so that's why i would have as for hb9 the broadband bill i supported the bill so what happens is this if you've kind of been working with the bill author like the bill author will tell you just can you please vote with me and just stay in line with the bill because people will start tacking on amendments and the amendments may have some indirect or direct negative ramifications in the back end that weren't foreseen by the bill author so it's really hard when amendments are offered up and they're not in agreement with the bill author um, to vote for them. So this was one where I'm pretty sure I voted with the bill author because it was a good bill. And if people are attacking on amendments on the floor, you know, it's very hard to be able to differentiate in the bill author saying, please stick with me if you support the bill. We tend to vote with the bill author. As for um, SB 10, I'm actually on the conference committee to negotiate the teacher retirement and to the increase of that. And uh, I guess they're complaining because on an amendment, but it was one of those where I probably stuck with the author because you can't amend a bill like that where they've already allocated the amount of money that they're going to spend 
on something and now there's someone's trying to add a modification or an amendment to the bill that can like significantly increase that and put the risk put a risk on the bill where it may not even pass mm-hmm. okay and then they make reference about uh the banter with freshman colleagues that was completely a joke that was given i actually and johnson sits in front of me and aaron gomez and then she uh it so what happens is this, and i'll tell you how i vote every morning I kind of look at the bills and I make a bill by bill analysis and I make a decision. Now there's groups that want you to vote lockstep with them. And it's like, you know, conservative groups or liberal groups that expect you to just, Oh, you're a DNR. You have to vote this way. I kind of don't vote like that. I vote for the district and I kind of vote what I believe is probably the best interest of the district and will make some best sense policy wise, not so much by whatever one group tells me to, to vote on. And the reason, and Johnson who sits in front of me as well, and she's a friend and colleague, was giving Aaron a hard time is because I'm very difficult to vote for if I'm not on the floor because I vote I vote based on the bill and based on the policy, not based on who's telling you how to vote one way or the other. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I, I don't know if it's in that sheet that I sent to Paco, but they, they also said there's a big bill, a big vote coming up on vouchers. And um, they're concerned where you stand on that one. Well, it's not vouchers. It's an ESA or vouchers. There's been multiple bills that have been presented. Um, They're looking at expanding parental choice for parents to be able, especially one of the issues that was addressed was special ed, right? We have a huge issue with special ed. Um, A lot of parents feel boxed into their zip code, right, based on where you go to school. Um, What we're trying to do is just give parents option. I mean, that's what we're looking at now. Nothing's been voted voted out yet. The final bill hasn't been presented on what would be able to be the bill. So I don't know. So, I mean, I kind of take my votes policy by policy. Unfortunately, a lot of other folks just vote based on what one person tells them or one group. And I really have never been like that. I mean, I just kind of issue by issue. And I just take it all into consideration. So that is going down the pipeline. I don't know what the bill is going to look like. I don't know what it's going to do. I represent a diverse district. Uh, you know, from all the way from Sullivan City to Brownsville. So I try to take my votes based on, you know, what makes the most sense for the district and what sound policy. You, you're you out of step with the Valley delegation as a whole on these... Uh... No, it's not so much of the Valley delegation. It's just, I mean, I think, I think people are voting what they feel is in the best interest of their district. Mm. It's different. Mm. And some of this policy, I mean... If you have to look at the entire bill, there may be some negative aspects on it, but there may be a lot of positives, and if there's more positives than negative, Mm -hmm. I mean, in all actuality, you probably should support the legislation. Mm -hmm. There's really a disconnect between, you know, them, and then what happens is they start getting into other stuff, right? Like, like... You're an organization, but they're dabbling in all these issues, Mm -hmm. and they want to inject their opinion on all these other issues, and that's fine, but it makes it very difficult. And I think if you do that, you're no other than the folks that just vote with the conservative think tank. At the moment, you start just saying, well, I'm going to just vote blindly because this is what they're telling me to do. And I don't, unfortunately, I don't vote like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're they're weighing in on non-education issues. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, like, the HB 900, they, uh, they wanted to get on a preemption still. Like, I mean, it's like every day, it's one of those where if you don't vote in lockstep with them, you know, they're just, they're mad. And they've done this to other Democratic members as well. I mean, I'm not the first. No. So earlier you said that they, they're unhappy with you on a broadband bill. Why would they be weighing in on, on, a, on broadband? Exactly. Exactly. They said that I was the one that voted against an amendment that would have forced them to do a... Uh, 
a report or something. And, and I'll tell you this, I probably voted with the bill author, who is Trent Ashby, who's a moderate Dem- a moderate Republican, who was carrying the broadband bill, who's worked on it for over a year and a half to two years. And it's a good bill. Everybody voted for it. And if the chairman tells me, Oscar, I'm glad you're supporting the bill, stick with me. I'm going to stick with him because what happens is people get bright ideas on the House floor and generally they haven't been vetted and you just can't be tacking on amendments on the House floor. That's not I mean, there's a time and a place, but generally if there's a good amendment, it's been vetted, it's been discussed. The bill author will accept it when the bill author doesn't want to accept an amendment. It's probably not in line with the purpose or the objective of the legislation. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how they don't understand that, how like. Yeah, because like right now I could file an amendment on a bill saying we need to give teacher pay rate. Let's just say there's a bill having to do with, you know, funding for facilities of schools. Right. And there's like it's got a hundred million dollar fiscal note. And I offer an amendment. And let's just say it's being let's just say it's carried by me. And this is the way I explained. And I've been working on this legislation for two years. So then all of a sudden a member comes up saying they're going to offer an amendment to increase teacher pay raises by five thousand across the board. Mm-hmm. OK. I'm the bill author. They're messing up my bill. Like, okay, I get it. We have a nexus on the education point. So then now I tell the I tell the floor, please stick with me because I can't have this stuck on my bill because it's going to kill my bill or give it some some problems. And then they take a vote, and then the people vote uh, people vote on my side. So technically, they're voting against teacher pay raises. Mm-hmm. So if you take it into that context, it looks bad, but in reality, it's just a show. So they they basically are looking at these amendment votes. When in actuality, some of those amendments had a lot of problems, yeah. you know, with the with the legislation. Okay. 